everyone, and welcome to Early Childhood Chatter with Dr. Shipley and Dr. Hield. We will upload a new episode every other week on Wednesdays. Twice a month, we come to you with a 10-minute professional development that you can quickly listen to for new ideas to try. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for notifications about future episodes. Today, we are so excited to have Norda Lewis with us. Norda has a master's degree in education with a concentration in special education and a graduate certificate in autism. She is a licensed behavior specialist in Pennsylvania and serves on the board of directors for the Victim Services Center of Montgomery County. She is the director at Innovation and Exploration STEM Early Learning Center. Norda, we are so excited to talk to you today, and I lived in Doylestown, so I am envisioning the fall weather and sights up near you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, Norda, we're so excited to talk to you, especially about behaviors in the classroom to today and to hear your thoughts and ideas, um, because... Um, we know that behavior management is one of the hardest and toughest things for new and even veteran teachers, right? Yeah. So my question to you is, what, where do we start? If we're a new teacher, if we're a veteran teacher, we're having some issues, where do we start with our behavior management plan? Behaviors, well, behaviors is really common in the classroom. Um, it's sometimes it affects the, the, the child who's presenting the behavior, um, also the, the other children and the teachers. And it's always a struggle. But we're, you want to start off with identifying the behavior itself. And some of the common behaviors that we see in the classrooms are hidden, tantrums, noncompliance, throwing toys kicking, pinching, biting, eloping, and they, these behaviors can be, as, as I said before, they can be very disrupt, disruptive in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, before you start too, I want to help, I want, I want everybody to understand that, um, that having an attitude, being lazy, or being disrespectful, they are not behaviors. So when you, when you want to identify these behaviors, you have to make sure that they're observable and they're measurable. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that gives you the opportunity to collect reliable um, data once you're measurable. In the early childhood classroom, we often do a lot of observation as our system of assessment. And I really like the fact that you said that identifying a child or labeling a child as lazy um, or disrespectful is not something we want to do. We want to go back to the factual statement of, you know, did not participate in an activity or did not, um, you know, go to the group when everybody else did. So I really, I really appreciate the fact that you kept it to what we can observe and measure. Um, if we are seeing these behaviors, what do educators need to do to, I guess, is the first step in correcting them? Well, the first thing you want to do is to identify why the behavior is happening. What is the function of the behavior? And there are four, there are four functions of a behavior. So it's important um, to recognize them. One, um, the, the functions are um, escape, attention, or, um, and a lot of times we'll see this, this is more common, access to preferred activity, and sometimes sensory. But 
when we think about sensory, we, we always think about kids with special needs. Um, and I want to talk, I want to further help everyone to understand these terms. Um, so I'm going to give some examples of these behaviors, their functions, and also some interventions that they can use when, when, they're, um, when they're identifying these behaviors and how to help the children in the classroom. So for example, I'm going to give an example first. So little Johnny yells because he doesn't want to engage in non-preferred activity. So for this, for this behavior, so the behavior is yell and the function of the behavior is to escape because Johnny wants to escape it so he can engage in what he wants to do. So a good intervention for that is setting a timer or lessening the demand. Uh, a timer works really well um, for, for kids, for, for everyone, uh, because it's all, it also sets um, expectations for them and, and they love the idea of counting down, but it really helps. Another example um, would be whenever the teacher is working with another child, with another child in the classroom, little Johnny looks at her and yells. So the behavior again, it's yell, but this is a different function. So Johnny is trying to get the teacher's attention. So the function of this behavior is, um, is, is for attention. So a good intervention that you can use is to plan to ignore and that works really well, just ignoring them. Because if you give in, then you're, you're, you're reinforcing the behavior. Now, the, now giving the attention becomes a reinforcer for the behavior. So the third one I'm going to focus on is um, to get access to preferred activities. And I'm going to give an example. Johnny kisses friends whenever it's time to engage in circuit time. So that's a non-preferred activity for Johnny. So Johnny wants to play in a center. So the, the function of this behavior is to gain access to a preferred activity. So an intervention that teachers can use is using a behavior chart or a schedule. You can use those visual schedule. They see, they see what's going to happen next. And it's also like setting expectations for them. So it's important to, to use um, those visual schedule. And the final one is sensory. And sensory, as I mentioned before, a lot of times you'll see this with kids with special needs. So it's important to make sure that they're not overstimulating. So their behavior could be because it's too loud or maybe it's um, maybe they need some um, sensory, um, they need, they're, they're touching something and it's too much for them. So it's important to make sure that they're not sensory overload. So a good in intervention for that is giving them sensory breaks. Um, and that really helps them just, um, it, it, it helps, it helps to get that sensory stimulation in. So I guess so my, also, I, I have a question for you too. I'm sorry, I don't want to butt in. So after a teacher finds these behaviors, um, I know timeout is a lot of the research is, is talking about timeout and how timeout's not used anymore and pulling cards aren't used anymore. What do you do in your center? Or what did you do with your students after you found out what the baby behavior was to manage it? How did you redirect that behavior? So, um, as I mentioned, some of the interventions that you can use, it all depends on the function of the behavior. Um, and yes, we don't use timeout anymore. We redirect, um, we redirect students 
but the to manage your behavior you, before you can manage it you have to find the fun, find out what the function is and the 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 visual schedule the um the behavior charts um using the reinforcer um, perfect yeah redirecting the kid the children and also helping them to understand choices and consequences and also how uh, and also their emotions you want to put that in there like all the other child is feeling and um and and just teaching them what what is for what is good choices and what is for choices but you have to set those expectations for them and also and as you find out the function it makes it so much easier to find the right intervention for them norda this is such a great um conversation for our educators but it's also a great conversation for our parents because there are times where we just don't understand where the behavior is coming from. So can you speak to a little bit about um, how we can bridge the gap between having our educators and our families work together for the benefit of a child? So, and before, before I go into that, I want to mention that the triggers is something that um, we want to look for because the, before we find out the function, we want to also know what the triggers are and triggers could be, it could be anything from the child didn't get any sleep or mm. the, the child did not have enough breakfast. So we want to look at the triggers and, um, and, and to answer your question for it's, it's really important for educators to collect the right data because this gives parents an idea what's happening because they know like from based on my experience, just telling a parent that, you know, your child hit someone today, that's not enough information for them. So it's important and it's important to collect the right data for them. And an easy way to do that is to use the ABC chart because we're, when we're in the classroom, we're so busy and the ABC chart is so easy to use. It focuses on the antecedent, the, the antecedent behavior and consequences and the consequence. So this simply used to help to identify and correct um, this simply used to identify and record information. So what happened before the behavior happens, um, what is the behavior and what happens after. So this is a great way to communicate with parents and work together um, on the behavior because they see the facts, they see, they see more concrete information. So it's important for teachers to use that so they can communicate with parents and and help them so they can work together um, as a partner and help uh, help in the behavior. Right. Okay. This this is just all such great information because again, sometimes we struggle with these kinds of things and there's so many other things going on in the classroom at the same time. So as we wrap up, what are three takeaways that you want our listeners to really remember from your session that can help them move forward with be managing behaviors? Um, so three takeaways. Um, I want to talk a little bit about teach, prevent, and reinforce. So it's important that you teach desired behavior you re you prevent um, situations you you prevent situations that cause negative behaviors, and you also want to set appropriate um, expectations for kids. You want to reinforce behavior. If you are using a reinforcer, give the reinforcer immediately after the desired behavior. And if you're going to use a reward chart, also it has to be worthwhile. 
So it's important to to um to teach, prevent, and reinforce behavior. This will really help you in the classroom. And I also try and use those ABC charts because that's the best way you're going to collect uh, the right information so you can share with parents and also so you can work together um, for the best interest of the children. I, I love that. I think that we have so many takeaways that we can start to really utilize best practices to increase those be these desired behaviors that we're looking to get. Um, Norda, can you give our listeners one challenge that they can take forward into their environments? Yes, um, I wanna challenge um, the listeners to, to really start, and again, start using those ABC charts in the classroom. It, it really gives you a better understanding of the behavior and also, it, it aligns, it helps you to understand how to teach, to prevent and reinforce, because that's what it basically is showing you once you collect those information. Yeah. So you I'm know challenging everyone to start using it. You can find it online. You can create it yourself. It's easy to create, so start using them. I love that because when we're in the moment, we might not have the skills or the practices in that moment to get what we are trying to um, promote with the child, which is that desired behavior. So that is just a great starting point for us. Norda, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Listeners, we'll see you again in two weeks. Thank you so much for having me. 